Welcome once again, basketball fans, to the Fake Round Ball Roundtable podcast. Um, this is episode technically three, but we'll call it two because I did one on my own about uh, three, four months ago that kind of stood on its own. But, uh, you know, we're trying to make this a consistent thing. And uh, the person helping me make this a consistent thing, of course, you know him on Twitter at said he had a story. Um, you might also know him as your fantasy savior. He, of course, is Josh Hanses. Josh, how are you? What's going on, Ricky? Let's. What's going on over there with you? Uh, not a whole lot. You know, just uh, I've got uh, my waiver deadline in one of my leagues. Um, I've got trade deadlines coming up. I've got all kinds of stuff going on. Busy man as always, I see. Yep, yep. So uh, <laughs> this week, uh, let's start with one of the more fantasy-friendly teams. Uh, not because they're any good, but mostly because <laughs> they allow a lot of points, and every once in a while they'll score a lot of points. Uh, of course, we're talking about Philadelphia, who decided to actually dump players at the deadline as if they weren't bad enough. Uh, goodbye to Evan Turner, and hello to a bunch of pretty much nobodies. Uh, but what I wanted to discuss is the big guys. Now, Spencer Hawes is gone too, so they're basically left with a foursome of Arnett Moultrie, there's a household name for you, uh, (laughs) Henry Sims, who was just about, uh, a seat warmer in Cleveland, uh, Byron Mullins, who once upon a time did have some fantasy value, and they recently signed a guy named Jarvis Varnado, uh, what do you make of this situation? Is there anyone you want, or are you just avoiding in general? I, I mean, for me personally, I have to avoid. I, none of these guys exactly have proved to me they are worth the slightest bit of anything. Honestly, the one guy I would honestly keep if I could uh, isn't even mentioned. Nerlens Noel. Uh, Noel, I, I, he's the only one I would really give any thought to, to keeping as far as like a dynasty league goes. Just, I mean... Uh, these guys, I mean, they, 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 they're serviceable for what they do. I mean, but the bottom line is Philly's just not a, not a good team that is, they're not going to dominate in any stretch of the, the mat, you know, outside of, of Young and, or Michael Carter Williams. I mean, outside of that, I mean, James Anderson, Tony Rotten, I mean, they, these guys are backups at best. They're getting, you know, 25, 32 minutes a game, and that's just too much for those kind of players. Yeah, yeah, I have to, I have to agree with you there, but, uh, you know, I do play in some deeper leagues, so, one of these guys really just has to be owned, I think, uh, when it comes to those formats. If you play in, you know, an 8 to 10 team league or something like that, don't even give these guys a second look. No, I, no, no. I would just give the guys who are playing them a first look. <laughs> Pretty much anyone <laughs> against their team, they're allowing something like 111 points. I think it's over 111 points a game. Yeah. Yes, yes, 111.3. Um, well, here, here's what you've gotten from these guys if you own them lately. Uh, Arnett Moultrie, I was just looking at the, uh, at the box score right now. He hasn't played yet today, and they're, they were late second quarter. But 2.7 points, 3.7 rebounds in 20.7 minutes in the last seven days. So, you're not getting a whole lot there. Uh, Henry Sims, who's been the guy actually starting at center, 7.3 points, 3.7 rebounds. Um, you know, he's got at least a little bit of talent compared to, well, at least Arnett Moultrie. But, uh, <laughs> That's not saying much. Right. And a lot of leagues, I know, will restrict the number of centers you can own. 
and by no means do I want one of my two or three centers to be Henry Sims if I'm limited. So I thought he might have a chance, but it really doesn't look like it. Um, let's see. Uh, the, the, the new guy they just signed is Jarvis Varnado. Uh, I was actually taking a look at his. I remember this guy coming out of the draft. He was a blocks machine in college. I remember the name. I was going to say, I remember reading about him in college. Uh, I, I, he's one of those also I just have to see. Right. I, I have to see what he does in the court. Right. We haven't, we haven't seen anything from him yet, but he had three straight seasons in college over four blocks a game. <laughs> he was 4.6, 4.6, and 4.7 in 07, 08, and 09. So there's at least something worth watching with him. But if I had to choose one of these guys to own, and the guy I do own is Byron Mullins, because I've seen him do it before at the professional level, and I think he's got a little bit of Spencer Hawes in him, where he could kind of have eight points and still be useful to you. He'll hit threes, he'll block, and he'll steal. So, at least he can you know, provide all-around value, even if he's not dominating the points or rebound categories. I don't know, what do you think about that? I, I mean, I would say probably Mullins and Sims are, I would have to agree, they're probably the two that I take the, the, the longest look at. But I'm only looking at them if I'm in a 14 team or more league. I mean, you gotta, you gotta think about it and, you know, you want, you want guys that have the opportunity to produce when you that, when you're that thin. So, I mean, but if you're like, like I said, an 8-10, I mean, I'm having a hard time in a 12 team league, even looking at these other guys. But if you're in a 14 team league or more, then, you know, I understand, you know, you're kind of put in a hard position and you gotta, you gotta make some changes and make some tough decisions. So yeah, uh, I'd have to agree, uh, that they, that they're worth a look in the deeper leagues, but, Byron, Byron Mullins, yeah, I mean, I remember the name, um, he, I've seen him shoot, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world, I mean, I, I think Spencer Hawes is a very accurate, you know, analogy for him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, I think at one point last year, he was like a top 70 overall player, he was, he was getting minutes with the Bobcats and he was producing, and, you know, this is a, theoretically a faster paced offense, I mean, they're gonna get blown out a lot. Yeah. But, in a 12-team league, if at the end of your bench, you know, maybe they got four games during the week, I'm giving him a look. I, at least until, you know, he, he puts together four or five duds in a row when you're just like, all right, this situation is helpless. But I, I'm just going to give him a, a, a little look, you know, at least for now, and, and I think he's going to be the most valuable. Not because maybe he'll play the most minutes, but I think he'll do the most with the minutes. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. So, all right, moving on from there because no one really wants to talk about Philadelphia. <laughs> we'll talk about we'll talk about a situation that we know everyone wants to talk about, which is Milwaukee. <laughs> the, I think they're statistically the uh, worst record in the league, or at least they were a few weeks ago when I was writing a uh, a piece on them. Let's see if that still holds true. I know they had about eighteen percent winning percentage. Uh, oh wait, they're up to nineteen. They're at one point one ninety. Uh, so yes, they are the worst team in basketball, actually below Philadelphia's 25.4 win percentage. So we'll sink even lower and talk about OJ Mayo because this is a guy that I was on earlier in the season and admittedly I, mu- I overranked him, uh, preseason because, you know, it would make too much sense for him to come to a team without scoring and, and to get a lot of minutes and play consistently and be the team's number one scorer. Uh, I guess Larry Drew doesn't doesn't subscribe to playing your best players the most minutes, but 
you know, since he's returned, he's been okay. He's he's gotten the typical Larry Drew treatment. He had his one big game where he, when he played big minutes, which you know, I don't know how you don't learn from that. Hey, he played him thirty five minutes. He scores twenty five points. Uh, but besides that, he's gotten a lot of you know. In the low 20 minutes, he had a 17-minute game, which was his second game back. But what is your outlook on O.J. Mayo going forward, I should ask? Because I think I'm a little higher on him than most. So so convince me why I should come back down to earth. Well, I'm going to agree with you that at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of room for optimism. In November, he had, you know, two 28-point games back-to-back. He had a stretch of, you know, five out of six games where he put up 20 or more points. And it, there's a lot of there's a lot of reason to be hopeful hopeful for Mayo. But, I mean, ever since the new year, I mean, since January, he's just completely fallen off. I mean, since, what is it, the 13th of January, he has exactly three games that where he scored in the double digits. I mean... He's not. He's not really worth any kind of fantasy consideration, uh, unless you're like you said in the deeper league. It's, it, you're not going to find a whole lot better, but you're not going to find, you know, a whole lot worse. You know, in if you're in one of those eight, ten, twelve team leagues. But yeah, I mean, three games in double digit points. I mean, he's not exactly a guy that's going to give you five, six rebounds, five, six assists, and I to go with that. Uh, he's purely. A point score, and he and, and he shoots it a lot as well. So, especially if you're in a rotisserie league, his his numbers just they're it, it's hard to hold on to a guy like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he did have a nine game stretch, which he missed. You know, he missed them all supposedly because of an illness. But yeah. I've never, I've never had an illness that's cost me that long of a stretch. You know, it's not like they were back to back to back to back to back days with games. Uh, he was having a feud with Larry Drew before this supposed illness, quote unquote. <laughs> the, you know, doctor, this illness. But, uh, you know, since he's come back, he's actually had a decently, you know, low 20s for Larry Drew is actually, you know, like someone he supposedly trusts. Um, as I wrote about earlier, there's, there's one guy in the Bucks over 30 minutes this year, which is just ridiculous. This is a young team, you know, get, Get your best players playing the minutes. Get OJ Mayo playing the minutes so you can trade him. Get the young guys playing so you can get them developed. It just it just doesn't make sense. But you know, the la- the last three games have been twenty five, fourteen, and nine points. So it looks like he's going down. But I just think it's going to be the inconsistency of the team. I hope you know he gets comfortable and gets the assists and steals back up. But I'm not sure he will. But if you need a low-end scorer, I think that's what you can rely on him for the rest of the year for some threes. And I still think he should be at least two and a half assists for the rest of the year. But you never know with Larry Drew. I'm just willing to take my chances on that. He's he's a tough he's a tough case, but I think that if Larry wants to keep his job, you know, his best chance to win games is going to be with Mayo down the stretch. I'd agree. I mean, like you said, since that uh, that absence of you know whatever it was, whatever they can they can classify what they want. But it, like you said, it was clearly a few with Larry Drew. But since since he came back, I mean, yeah, three out of four games he, he has hit in the double digits, uh, at least in February. But he has four total assists and six total rebounds to go along with that. So that's that's the issue is if you need that if you need that scoring option then then I would say yeah Mayo's your guy. He can he's a guy that can put up 
you know, 12 points a game, 15 points a game pretty consistently. And he's also that guy that has the potential to drop 22, 25, you know, 28 points. So, I mean, the ceiling's there. But if you're looking for, like, assists and steals and rebounds, then, yeah, you need to look somewhere else because he's not the type of player that's that, that's going to do that for you. Well, who needs assists, steals, or rebounds, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, well, so there you go. There you have it. O.J. Mayo, uh, a nice, wonderful, easy-to-classify case. Not... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, moving on, because we actually want to talk about some players that are actually on decent teams, and uh, a few of these guys actually are, so, you know, we're getting to uh, we're getting to meaningful players as we move on. Um, we're going to do a, kind of a add, drop, or hold game, so I'm going to name these three players, and you got to say whether you want to add them to your fantasy team, you want to drop them from your fantasy team, or you're holding them right now just to see what the future may hold. Um, maybe we'll come up with a cute name for this game later, but, uh, we haven't just yet. So until we do, I've got three guys for you. Miles Plumley, Jonas Valanciunas, and Ennis Cantor, who have been some pretty disappointing fantasy centers. Let's start, let's start with Miles Plumley because I was all over Plumley. If you remember on Twitter preseason, I was telling people to draft Plumley. And for the first month and a half to two months, I looked like a genius. <laughs> but lately, I don't know what has happened to him. It's like he's fallen off the face of the earth. Are you going to add this guy? Are you going to drop this guy? Or are you holding him? What's wrong with Miles Plumley? Uh, Plumley is. Oh man, you know it's a. Hey, I, this is strictly one of those when you you need to decide with your league what you need. If you need rebounds, then I'd say, yeah, he's a fair hold. But if you're looking for points, blocks, steals, I mean, assists, no, you got to drop the guy. I mean, unless you're, unless you're looking for rebounds, then you, then he's not serviceable. I mean, as far as points go, he has he had one game in the month of February where he scored double-digit points. I mean, even, even if he's going to... Even if you're going to hold on to him for rebounds, he only had two games when he had double-digit rebounds in the month of February, and that was the first two games he had. So, oh my, yeah. Jeez. So he he's I mean, like but he hasn't gotten less than four rebounds a game. So he's good for at least four. He might get you, you know, a couple points to go with it. Maybe a block, maybe a steal. But I can't. I, I can't hold on to him unless you are really just hurting for rebounds. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the minutes distribution for the team. And Plumley for the last, over the last seven games is 21.1 minutes. Guys with more minutes than Miles Plumley. Marcus Morris, Ish Smith, which is obviously because of injury. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, PJ Tucker, Channing Fry, Markeith Morris, Gerald Green, Dragic, all playing over 30 minutes a game. Plumley averaging 5 and 7 with not a block, not a steal. It's just, clearly the minutes are going down because the coach doesn't think he's producing, you know, and it always scares me that Alex Len's sitting behind him, although his minutes have been still very low. I just, just the way I've been watching the Suns pretty much every game, and, you know, the Morris Twins and Fry are the higher priority for them in big situations. So as much as I hate to admit it, I would I would be dropping Miles Plumley 
for you know better options at this point. I I I can't argue with that. I mean, I, like I said, if you're in a deeper league and you need rebounds, and yeah, he's maybe worth a look holding on to. But other than that, I mean, he had one game in February where he had over 30 minutes. One game. I mean, the bottom line is you can't produce unless you're on the court, and his minutes have just been going down. I would rather have PJ Tucker than him right now, which is a sad, sad thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, all right. Well. At least I was right for him at the beginning. You know, I got a nice start in my leagues, and now I just got to finish with someone else. All right, how about uh, how about Big Jonas Valanciunas on the surprising Raptors of the Eastern Conference? You got a little brighter outlook for him because he's another guy that I actually have been getting a lot of questions about lately with people saying, all right, I'm just about done with him. Talk me off a cliff. He's, you know, he's an interesting case. He He had a really bad stretch. Um, a lady where he just he couldn't score. He would you know every rebound that came his way somehow got taken away. He just he couldn't catch a break. So I feel for the guy. I watched the games. It's not like he wasn't trying, or you know his minutes were down uh, a little bit ever since. You know it seems like the better the Raptors got, the the more they took minutes away from him. You know because they've just been trending upward, and I mean nobody would have thought that they're doing as well as they have been, but. Um, he's a guy that I would actually hold on to because he's got the potential to be a, you know, 16 and 10 nightly guy. He has that potential. He, he, he's done it before this season, you know, really consistently. I mean, but you do have to take some shots to the chin as well as holding on to this guy. I mean, there's one, there's some nights when he'll go like in, uh, last month in January, he got 20 and 13. That's an incredible night. But then, you know, last week he also went for 2 and 6. So you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i higher on him than I am on Plumlee. Because at, yeah. at least during this bad stretch, you know, the last seven he's been brutal. But, you know, guys have bad games. It's hard to just say the last three games is the, his outlook. So you get you, as you get broader and broader, you know it's just been a recent bad stretch. He's still over his last three games. He's only shooting like thirty four percent, and then you go to the last fifteen, it's up to fifty four, which is you know more along his lines. So you know, relax, relax. Guys have bad games. He's had a few in a row. Um, I mean, he's not a guy who's going to take many shots. When he's going well and playing big minutes, he'll block some shots. But I mean, he's a points and rebounds guy. If you're looking for like a a low end Robin Lopez or like a JJ Hickson from last year, just a guy who's gonna who's gonna score and rebound. You know that's worth it in a lot of leagues. It's not easy to find a double double type guy. So you know he's still getting more minutes than Plumley. He's still going to shoot, I think, a good percentage, and he's still more importantly part of the Raptors' plan. So because you know this is a good team that considers him the starting center and the center of the future most likely going down the stretch, I'm okay with keeping him as a double-double type guy. If you want to bench him for a week until he gets it together a week or two, I'm fine with that. But uh, I am i don't know that he's on any waiver wires, but if he is, I would be looking to add him or I'm holding on to him. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy that 
uh, he's kind of taken he's kind of taken a step back with the emergence of DeRozan and Laurie. Uh, right. So that I mean that's kind of unfortunate, but I mean still, like you said, he still is that double double type of guy. So yeah, I, I'm with you. If, if if he's on the waiver wire, then yeah, I'm looking to add him. I think he's definitely worth a look in most cases. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you, hundred percent. So for the record, we're dropping Plumlee. We're holding Valachunas. We're on to Ennis Cantor, who's another bad team, but was, uh, you know, everyone's fantasy sleeper, including mine, heading into the season. Uh, and this is a guy who, unlike the other ones, has not been struggling recently. In fact, he's been much better than he had before. Uh, he's got four games next week. Wh- what do you think about Ennis Cantor going forward, you know, knowing that Favors is back now and he had his good stretch without him? But what do you think of, what do you think of Ennis Cantor? I, he's another one that I'm going to hold on to. Uh, and I'm actually, I am holding on to him in one of my leagues. Uh, basically he is just that, like I said, like he's kind of like, like Jonas in the sense that he has that potential to be a 15 and 10 type of guy. Uh, like he does look better when, um, you know, when he had, when he's solely the one force down below. But, uh, I mean, he, he also still has that potential to have a 15 second at the night. It just, but like, he's another one that, you know, some nights he won't, you know, there was, uh, you know, Wednesday, he had two points and one rebound, you know, but the night before he had 12 and five, but then the game before that he had 25 and seven. There's just no talent. Three games in a row was probably a perfect telephone. Yeah. He, uh, He's another one that seems to get benched uh, on occasion because of defense. I always, I always see, you know, Cantrell start, and then all of a sudden they'll, they'll bring in the defensive unit, some Mar- Marvin Williams or one of the other guys, because <laughs> because he's getting burned. So he's he's always a risk for that, and he really has been brutal since you know Favors came back. He's got a two eight and eight point games in the last three, but he just needs to learn to work with him once again. You know, it, it was. There was a five-game stretch where he was the guy, and, you know, he got used to that. He had two 25-point games, like you said. He, uh, I, I'm not getting rid of Cantor. I've been, you know, in a, one of my deeper leagues where you can only hold two centers, I've been very stubborn about him all year <laughs> because in his time as backup, or as a backup, you know, he was a permanent beast. And he's another guy who's been playing, you know, close to 20 minutes recently, and if they ever ramp his minutes up, I think he, you know, per minute is a very, very good player. So, you know, it depends on who it is, I guess. I guess I could see dropping him for, in the right case, but uh, for the most part, I'm holding on to him, and I actually like him probably the best of this group of three. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, as far as, as, as his ceiling goes, out of the three, he's probably the one that I like the most. And I, I, I liked him when he was coming into the draft. I mean, I saw what he was able to do, and he was very, very impressive. And he, he knows he knows how to, how to muscle his way down below. It's just, like you said, he's not exactly the best defensive player, and that hurts him, especially on the Jazz of a team that's still young, still finding themselves, still trying to get guys that can be that all-around type of player. And, and he still struggles on defense. Defense, so yeah, that hurts in the long run. But I would say that right now he's probably the one to own out of the three. 
Yeah, between him and him and Valanciunas, it's close. But I would rather take my chances with Cantor. So. Exactly. Exactly. All right, moving on. Tonight, of course, is the Oscars, and uh, of course, we're nominated for best podcast, uh, and we're hoping to win that one. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Just wait, though. One day that will be, and uh, you know, we'll be up there in our bow ties, accepting the honor. Yeah, Go ahead. I was going to say, I can't wait for that day to be up there, uh, fully dressed head to toe in a suit and accepting <laughs> that award. That, that'll be a good time. Uh, you know, the Super Bowl always has prop bets as to who the MVP is going to thank first. Would Evan Hale be the one you thank first or Reagan? Or would it be God or a family member? You know, I'll probably have to keep tradition of the Oscars. I'd probably thank Harvey Weinstein first. He has nothing to do with this <laughs> podcast, but I think he's the one that I'm going to thank first. Uh, on that note, I am actually, on Evan's note, I'm actually looking forward to his next article because I don't know if you read my DFS article with Renee Miller, uh, earlier this week, but I took a shot at him, his intelligence level in the article, you know. <laughs> I, and, uh. I did see that, I did see that, so there's no telling what's coming your way, his next he, article. Yeah, he has already sworn that, uh, you know, I'm going down, so I'm really <laughs> looking forward. To see, to see the backlash. But anyways, uh, the Oscars are on tonight. And of course there's all these awards. There's best, you know, actor in a lead role, best picture, blah, 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 blah. Well, we've come up with our own Oscars for the fantasy season so far this year. Or at least we thought about it. And, uh, we'll finally put out our final picks. We will be like, uh, the SAG committee, the Screen Actors Guild. And that's, that's who judges this, right? Am I correct in saying that? That they're right. the ones who voted. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's who, that's who I thought it was. Anyway, so we're gonna be the SAG and we're gonna be opening the envelopes to some of the awards in the NBA so far. Um, you could go ahead and start us off with whichever first, the first award you wanna hand out is and, uh, tell us who the winner is. Uh, so you know, one of the awards that they do give is Best Cinematography, which pretty much consists of the, you know, the way that a scene looks and, and the way, um, you know, certain things look in different lighting and everything. So I decided to go with, um, something very similar, uh, uh, with, uh, for Best Cinematography in the NBA, I actually decided to go with DeAndre Jordan. Uh, as far as his dunk face goes, when he just throws it down, his, his facial expressions and the stares that you get long, that two-second, three-second pause where he just stares off in the space, uh, you can't beat that in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, if you scroll back in one of our DFS articles, one of the first ones I wrote for uh, for Fake Round Ball actually was a cartoon, because I loved it so much, <laughs> of the DeAndre dunk face. I'm sure you could just Google that, and it's awesome. So, I can't really argue with that one. Um, the award I'm going to give out is the best sound editing. And if you saw Joakim Noah get thrown out of a game earlier this year, <laughs> uh, did you tell me you saw that? Where uh, he, oh, yeah. He basically I, did the uh, half-baked, you know, F-U, F-U, and TV did a good job of beeping it. Yeah. F-U, you're cool. I'm out. And he stormed out. If you haven't seen that, you have to Google <laughs> Joakim Noah ejection because that was incredible. I will have uh, to agree. I, there is, I, I cannot think of a more deserving award for him right over there. So yeah, I will agree. You know, he beats out DeMarcus Cousins just about every game. 
<laughs> so he didn't have a specific instance, but uh, he definitely would be the runner-up. <laughs> yeah, I'd, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to agree. And like Ricky said, if you have not seen that yet, do yourself a favor and uh, Google that and see, and just watch the fun that ensues of uh, Noah getting ejected that game. Uh, do you want to dish out your next award? Um, you know, uh, I I was gonna say, um. Best costume design is another one. And so my thinking on that one is probably which player in their post-game interviews wears the most ridiculous clothes. And that's Russell Westbrook for me, bar none. Easily. Yeah, just Russell Westbrook takes the cake on that one. Yeah, Dwayne Wade tries to give him runs for his money, but, uh, you know, they're nowhere near as ridiculous or as, you know... As Russell Westbrook-y, if that's a word. We're going to invent the word. <laughs> because uh, that's definitely uh, his thing. I'm going to go. Yeah, this I, is I one... agree. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, I, I think that that is uh, definitely a word that should be added to the dictionary because that describes it perfectly. <laughs> All right. I'm actually emailing Webster's on the side. Russell Westbrook-y. <laughs> uh, we will say of ridiculous wardrobe is how you describe that. Let's see if they uh, accept us. <laughs> All right, so here's what we argued about um, before coming on the podcast. Best picture, meaning the best team for fantasy purposes in the NBA. I looked at it, and the team that's scoring the most points is probably my pick, which is the Portland Trailblazers. As crazy as that may sound, they have their starting five, and all their starting five is fantasy relevant. you got even... Low man on the total pole, Robin Lopez, is a double-double threat with, you know, blocks every game. you got Batum. Aldridge is near a fantasy MVP this year, especially at where you drafted him. Lillard's a stud, and Wes Matthews has been a stud. So, you know, you don't even need to go to the bench for, for a sixth and seventh guy. I think they're the best overall picture. What do you think? You know, I'm going to have to go with the Clippers. Um... I will probably say that overall, I will give them um, probably the best overall team. But when you got your your main three guys, I mean, like you got to think that the three guys are the ones that carry you like a best picture. And you got Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and Chris Paul. I mean, these guys are all double double machines. You know, Chris Paul's got the assists and the points. DeAndre's got the block, uh, the, 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 the rebounds and the points and Blake points. So, I mean, you go for a big three, it's hard to, to go against that, those guys right there. So what you're saying is that your movie consists of three stars while mine is basically like one of those Valentine's Day movies. Do you remember that with all the stars, but it doesn't really have that great of a purpose. Do you remember that? Was like yeah. Actors, there were yeah. about 27 actors you wanted to see, but yet somehow the movie everyone said was terrible. I didn't see it. But uh, but that's how you, that's the comparison you're using. Your your movie is more like The Godfather, where you got uh, De Niro and uh, and Pacino in, in all in one. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I, you know, I'm going to give you some credit. I'd say yours is probably more like one of the Expendables films, where they have like <laughs> 15 old- 15 guys that are, like, the star of it. So, yeah, you know, like, uh, I, I, was, I would, would would think that's a very fair comparison. Mine's more godfather you know, with the, with the yeah. couple main guys that 
need it, and the spring pass is still great. Um, you know, like Collison, who's been absolutely incredible this year. I mean, granted, he benefited from Paul not being there, but, you know, you got Crawford and uh, J.J. Redick when he's healthy. I mean, so the supporting cast is there for the Clippers, but, yeah, as far as, you know, if we're going to go, like, straight expendable style, then Portland, yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. All right, that's fair enough. Um, just to throw this one in there, this is not fantasy related, but best supporting actress does that go to uh, Gabrielle Union with Dwayne Wade? Um, yeah, I mean Tony Parker is is, is never going to be included in this for for losing his wife. So Tony Parker, he, will- he <laughs> is. Oh my! I don't let me go on this rant about Tony Parker. <laughs> not only, not only for those of you who don't know the story. Did Tony Parker cheat on Eva Langoria? He did it with his teammate's wife, Brent Berry's wife. So not only did he piss off his <laughs> ultra-perfect girlfriend, he did it with one of his teammate's wives and pissed it. Oh, my God. <laughs> one of the lowest lives of all time in real life, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I will, I will, uh, I'd have to agree with that. Though, though, for as bad as Tony Parker is, I think Delonte West takes the cake. But that's yes. neither here nor there. But yeah, I, I will say supporting actor, actor, actress. Yeah, I will go with Gabrielle Union right there. <laughs> well, uh, Delonte West wasn't a supporting actress. She would be. Uh, <laughs> she would be. A, I don't even know what category she would fit into. I guess a main actor. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> we won't go there. All right, we got. I guess to go with best supporting actor, you'd have to do best actor first, and but they might. They might go hand in hand because they both might be on the same team, in my opinion. Best supporting actor, maybe not so far, but for the rest of the year, I think it's got to be what Russell Westbrook. No, considering he's not the number one show in town, but for the rest of the year, I still I can't think of a number two guy I'd rather have on a team than him. Yeah, I mean. I mean, any other team in the league, he's a number one, clear cut. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I won't disagree with you on that. The only, only argument I can see people making is maybe that Dwight Howard, James Harden kind of combination. Or Chris Paul and Blake and, Griffin. Yeah, good. that's or, another or good Or even, even Goran Dragic and Bledsoe, when they're both healthy, if if they're both healthy, is a pretty damn good duo. But you've got Lillard and Aldridge as well. Oh, maybe maybe supporting actor isn't Westbrook. Maybe I go Blake, maybe I go with Blake Griffin or Paul. Now that I think about it a little more. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it, uh, I'd probably still go Westbrook Durant only because I mean, I just I think for as you know, lead actor, I just think Durant's that far ahead of everyone. Oh well, lead actor has to go to Kevin Durant so far. He's by far whatever. Whichever scoring system you're looking at, whether you're looking at points, whether you're looking at, you know, I don't care how many categories you have. If you're only, unless your only category is either blocks or rebounds, <laughs> you know, as long as you've got at least four categories, Kevin Durant is above and beyond the best player in fantasy basketball. And I wouldn't argue just yet he's the best player in basketball. I'd still take LeBron, but if we're talking fantasy basketball's best actor, Kevin Durant. You you put on a masterpiece. Yeah, I I, I will agree. Uh, I mean, the only reason I think Westbrook gets gets the edge because I mean, when you're just playing with that kind of talent right next to you, I mean, it just makes your job that much easier. Yeah, 
Yes, yes, I agree. Uh, any other awards you wanna you wanna dish out? Uh, we did consider the best foreign language film. Do you have a, do you have a um, pre- preferred foreign player that you that you like? I, I mean, I know he's getting up there in age, but I'm still a Dirk fan. I I I will have to give it to him. Uh, I I think I gotta go so far this year with Goran Dragic. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I stand corrected. Yeah. I, I will have to go with you on that one. I, uh, I was looking at it and I was just in my head doing my rest of the season rankings after I was looking at my old ones. Are there 15 re- players you'd take over Gore Dragic for the rest of the year? <laughs> because since Bledsoe has gone down, and, I mean, even with Bledsoe, he was amazing, but since he's gone down, I looked at his numbers and 20 points, Almost seven assists. He is a monster. Yeah, um, you know, I'm even hard pressed to find 15 players that are better than. Yeah, I agree with you. I so in my league last year, I famously traded, which cost me the year. I finished second last year. Before the year, I traded a seven dollar Paul George for a thirty dollar Goran Dragic, which obviously didn't work in my favor. I still ended up getting second, which is amazing trading George. But I ended up drafting Dragic again this year, and he's been exactly what I thought I was trading for last year. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know I can't argue with that trade even this year. Um, uh, I'd probably actually tend to favor Dragic over George, but. That's just me, for right now speaking. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, definitely very close. Um, let's see the rest of these awards. I think we've done pretty much most of them. I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts about any players you wanted to mention, or maybe uh, your newest article? I know you had up. You could talk about that. Um, I I, I just I did just think of one more award, and as far as best animated feature. I'm probably going to go a little all-wall here. I'm going to go Kevin Martin from the Timberwolves, only because I've never seen a player get so many foul calls in his favor than Kevin Martin has. He is just so animated when he goes to shoot that he just, you know, a defender blinks at him and he's going the charity stripe. So <laughs> I will say that Kevin Martin takes best animated feature for solely for how many times he's able to to, to go shoot free throws. He, yeah, I, if there was a such thing as offensive flops, he is the king of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I will agree. Kevin Martin takes it for me. He's always been a guy, This is I've always preached this too, that you got to look at free throw attempts. He's always a guy who's near the league lead in free throw attempts because he's always offensively flopping like that. He'll take it to the lane and, oh, I just got hacked even though you yeah, see the replay. Yeah, um, but like, so... Go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. I, I was going to say, I mean, I remember watching uh, a couple games ago uh, before he got injured that, you know, he would just, every time he, he must have just got the ball, took it in the lane, and I, I don't even, he would just kind of throw the ball up and just start walking to the free throw line because he knew that's where he was going. Yes, that is the Kevin Martin way. <laughs> well, would you rather do that or rely on that ugly shot he's got? So he, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, he does have one of the weirder shots in the game. Uh, but go ahead and talk about 
that uh, that Anthony Davis article you did earlier this week and kind of give us a uh, a clue of what you wrote about so people can go check it out. Yeah, so uh, I just called it like a fantasy centerpiece, and pretty much um, what I did was I took Anthony Davis, uh, who is one of my personal favorite players in the whole league, uh, and, and I compared him to two different guys at different points in their career. And I said, you know, if you would take the top three power forwards in the game right now, uh, you know, your li- most list would consist of Blake Griffin and Kevin Love. And I pretty much broke down why I think that Anthony Davis is the guy to have, you know, the next 10, 12 years as far as fantasy goes. You know, he's done something um, that only one other player has done, averaging 20 points and 10 rebounds and plus three blocks this year. Uh, and that's actually Tim Duncan. He Last year, per 36, that is. Uh, Tim, you know, he, it took Tim Duncan 15 years to do what Anthony Davis has done in his second year. And I don't want to get too much away because, you know, when I go in and I compare, um, you know, him to a bunch of different things, but pretty much if I'm sitting there in a dynasty league and I need to draft one guy that I know is going to give me 2010, you know, instead of Love, instead of Griffin, uh, I'm taking Anthony Davis because of everything that he brings and he entails, uh, in his game. Yeah, in our expert draft, I regret my number two pick already, LeBron, <laughs> which is, you know, how can you regret LeBron? Well, because there's two guys named Kevin Love and Anthony Davis that are younger and doing incredible things. So, I mean, Anthony Davis brings you free throw percentage too, which is probably my favorite thing about him beyond the blocks is that he's a big guy who hits his free throws. I mean, he was a, I think he was six foot three his sophomore year of high school and by, you know, senior year he was six ten, so that's why he can handle it like a guard. He's just, he's amazing. So go ahead and check out this article and tell tell us what you think. See if you, how you value Anthony Davis compared to us, because I think we both have him at about number two right now in the fantasy world. Yeah, uh, please, you know, go check it out. Let me know what you think. And I mean, and like you said, Ricky, I even mentioned that, you know, his free throw percentage is, is incredible because he was, he's able to hand the ball like a guard and that's why his, his actual field goal percentage is so high because he was, he handled the ball like a guard. I mean, to have a guy that's 6'11 create his own shot, I mean, that's just not fair. It's not at all. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So 42 minutes in. Good work today. We are, uh, we are officially done with the fake round ball podcast for this week. Good luck with your lineups. You could always hit us up on Twitter. Um, of course, check out Fake Round Ball for our daily fantasy stuff that we have, you know, during the weekdays, and, and just hit us up. We'll give you our picks on the weekends because it's not like we're not playing for the most part. <laughs> um, go ahead and check out the new rebranded Fake Pigskin site. It looks awesome. It's beautiful. It is absolutely it, stunning. Thank you to Scott Fish. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he was he's one of the creators of uh, FF Oasis. So give him a follow. Tell him thank you. Comment in our forums, you know, go go wild on our website. We want to hear from you. We want you to read our stuff. We want to help. So go check that out. Go check out Fake Round Ball. And, you know, I guess until next time, see you later. You got any last words, Josh? Uh, enjoy the Oscars tonight, guys. And uh, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter. And uh, as always, we're available for your questions. So uh, give us a follow and give us a shout on there. Yep, until next time, everyone, we are out.